Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener specials for the buy one Get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Phones are open if you want to join the show. Live Saturday edition. We're here for you. Tonight, it's Ian. And the captain. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We always bring things to the table to discuss that we hope you'll find interesting. But, of course, you can bring up anything you want. That is the point here of Free Talk Live. That is what we do. The phones are open every single night, and we are here seven nights a week. And there's a story that we covered in detail most of a decade ago. Not quite. Uh, It was 2013, October of 2013, if I recall correctly, when Ross Ulbricht was arrested. For running the world's first underground online drug marketplace called the Silk Road. Now, it wasn't just for drugs. There were some other things that you could get there. Sorry, you mean the the first free online market? What do you mean? Well, it was unregulated by anybody in any oh, way, yeah, shape, or form. Oh, yeah, free market. Well, Free market. Yeah. yeah, it certainly wasn't regulated by the government, but Ross Ulbricht, the ostensible operator... And admitted, I guess, operator, although he says he didn't run the thing the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but he was the creator of it. He did admit to that in his court case, which I thought was a huge mistake. Well, we know um, for a minute the feds were running it. so That is definitely true. Um, so Ross put this website online, and he did specify certain categories of things were unwelcome. So, oh, yeah, sure. Uh, Self-regulation. Yeah. Child pornography, for instance, and poisons, I believe, were the two items that, uh, categories, if you will, yeah, that were Yeah, you can't not, sell strychnine. We're not welcome. You know, that uh, kind of thing. You can sell drugs, yeah. uh, but not, like, specific poison. Obviously, you can kill yourself with heroin if you, you do enough of it, but it's not the intention, necessarily. So uh, that was busted in 2013. And Ross has been in prison ever since. Yeah. And the... For running a website. Yeah. Two life sentences plus 40 years. Yeah. That's what we usually say about Ross. Child molesters get less time. That's true. Murderers get less time. And the judge in the case said she was, quote unquote, sending a message. Well, no one appears to have gotten the message because the online drug marketplaces have continued. There has been no slowing. And and expanded. There's more than one of them now. Oh, yes. There are many. 
Um, so it, it, their crackdown on Ross did not achieve whatever it was supposed to achieve. And now a, a relatively a, a very intelligent young man is rotting away in a prison cell for almost a decade of his life at this point. Nine plus years yeah. of his life. I think he just recently celebrated a birthday or something. He did. And there's so much to say about the Ulbricht case. I don't want to even try to recap it. Yeah. Because to go through a recap of the insane trial that he was forced to have where his defense couldn't even put on their defense for the most part, which, again, it's shocking, it's outrageous, but it's not that unusual for federal court. It's pretty common that the prosecution gets to call all their witnesses and make all their arguments. But if you want to talk about, oh, I don't know, the Constitution or the actual facts in the case or call up your own witnesses as a defense, nope, you get objected to, you get overruled, you get all kinds of restrictions placed upon you. And so if you're interested in learning the ugly, ugly story behind the Ross Ulbricht prosecution... I recommend you go to freeross.org. They have a documentary. It is available in video, audio, and readable format. Yep. So you you know p- people learn differently, right? Some people learn by watching. Other people learn by listening. Yep. Like some people like to read. You can learn this case inside and out with citations and evidence galore from start to finish over at freeross.org. The documentary is called Railroaded, and it is fantastic. I highly recommend it. Fitting title. Highly recommend it. Um, But let's just suffice it to say that Ross Ulbricht got screwed royally for, as you pointed out, simply running a website. Yeah. And we talk a lot about his sentence here. There's been a large uh, push with, I think, close to half a million signatures on an online petition to have him, uh, you know, pardoned and or sentence commuted to get him out of prison. Like, look, you know, he's learned his lesson, okay? You've had the man in prison for nine years. He's not going to go back to running underground websites. He'd like to be more, you know, productive in his life rather than sitting in a prison cell. There's all kinds of reasons why he needs to be let out. But, of course, it would now require Joe Biden, because Trump didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, would now require Joe Biden, who is, of course, one of the most arch-drug warriors known to man the odds that's ever going to happen seem very slim but nonetheless his mother uh, has continued to push for ross's release and you can sign that petition as well over at freeross.org for whatever that is worth but we talk a lot about his sentence as far as time is concerned i didn't know i mean i figured there was a financial penalty involved but offhand i couldn't have told you what it was yeah i wasn't really aware of the magnitude i believe i had read it as like a line item of you know stuff whenever he was actually convicted and it was in there like you know blah 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 this many years and this much time and this that and the other thing and then like oh some restitution and then blah 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 and then you know i just sort of glazed over it didn't pay it much attention but apparently there's a financial component that is rather large 183 million dollars and they call it quote-unquote restitution (laughs) restitution to no victims to the government apparently there there were no victims in the ross ulbricht case every transaction that happened on the silk road was completely voluntary that's right and so there were no victims so uh, the meaning of this restitution isn't 
uh, it's a false term that the government uses to say, hey, should you ever happen to come into any money, it's ours. We're just going to take it, which turns out happened. Yeah, so the story from Wired, Ross Ulbricht, the convicted creator of the legendary Silk Road dark web market for drugs, has never gotten much mercy from the U.S. legal system. In 2015, he was sentenced to life in prison without parole, and that's a nice way of saying double life sentence plus 40 years. Yeah. Uh, his appeal was denied, as was the pardon that he sought from President Trump. But a little over a year ago, it appears Ulbricht finally got a break of a different kind. The nine-figure debt that he owed, quote-unquote, to the U.S. government as part of his sentence will be erased, all thanks to the fortuitous hoarding of a hacker who had stolen a massive trove of bitcoins from his marketplace. Last year, prosecutors quietly signed an agreement with Ulbricht, stipulating that a portion of the newfound trove of Silk Road bitcoins seized from an unnamed hacker will be used to cancel out the more than $183 million in restitution that Ulbricht was ordered to pay as part of his 2015 sentence. I, I don't... I, I can't even fathom where this number comes from, where, this, where the government comes up with the number $183 million in, quote, restitution, unquote. They calculated it, allegedly, from the total sales of the Silk Road based on exchange rate. They claim total illegal sales. I, I don't know if they went in and actually looked to see what items were legal and illegal, because that would be an, a tremendous task. But they uh, they claimed that they calculated it based on the exchange rates at the time of each transaction. Despite the fact the more recently unearthed stash of bitcoins, now worth billions of dollars, was itself criminal proceeds, the Justice Department appears to have made a deal with Ulbricht to avoid any claim that he might have made to the money. In exchange for Ulbricht's agreement to waive any ownership he might have of the bitcoins, a portion of them will be used to pay off his restitution in its entirety. So just, it took me a minute to wrap my brain around this. So Ross Ulbricht starts the Silk Road. Yep. At some point, somebody hacks the Silk Road, like one of the wallets or something. Right. Hacks into you know one of the wallets and steals some Bitcoin. Correct. Years later, the government busts whomever this hacker is, yep. they find some, you know, gain access to a wallet with some Bitcoin in it. They do some digital forensics and they find out, oh, this some of this Bitcoin came from the Silk Road wallet that was hacked back in whatever date this occurred. Yep. And so the government is stealing Bitcoin that was stolen from the Silk Road. Correct. And the strange part about this is... These are proceeds of crime, right? So under their system, alleged crime. We don't think that what Ross Ulbricht did was a crime, but they do. And so alleged crimes, when you get proceeds from them, they get forfeited. Yeah. Right? The, if the government busts you, they come and they take that, and you're probably never going to see it again. So that's the weird thing. Is like they went to Ross and said, hey, just so you don't claim this, we'll let you out of jail. More It is Free Talk Live, live Saturday show. You may take control of the airwaves here. We're talking about Ross Ulbricht and a strange development that has resulted in his $183 million quote-unquote debt to the federal government being paid off. Let's just refer to it as his fine. Yeah. 
Because that's essentially what it is. Yep. Uh, they're fining him basically for every dollar that he allegedly made on the site. And, of course, he made Bitcoin. So they, th- them being the government, always have to convert that to something they can understand. And so they come up with a dollar amount. But it's been almost a decade since uh, the Silk Road bust happened. And I don't know what it was at the time when that, let's see, 2013, it was probably on a run-up to its first. Because I remember there was, in the end of 2013, there was a big run-up to like $1,100, and it was crazy at the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm guessing that in October, it might have been somewhere going up to that. So let's say like, let's say $400 Bitcoin or $500 Bitcoin. And now it is forty thousand right, dollar Bitcoin. Yeah. So the amount uh, that you know, ten x since then. Or whatever. Yeah, they yeah. they seized all this Bitcoin from uh, from a hacker apparently, and they went to Ross Ulbricht and they said, "Hey, just I, so you, I I think, and the story doesn't really mention this, but after having read this story, I think that they needed his help to get this mm. guy, this hacker guy. I think this hacker guy was doing some other stuff." And they needed Ulbricht's help. Interesting. And That's in what return, I think. And in return, they were like, you know, right. so like, hey, if you, you know, do this and then sign this thing so that we know you're not going to lay any legal claim. But that's to the this weird thing. thing. It's like, why would he have any legal claim to it if it's the proceeds of a quote unquote crime? Then I would think that they would just take it and say, well, we don't care what you say, Ross Ulbricht. You're you know, a federal prisoner and yeah, you I, know, we'll yeah. do what we want. Uh, what kind of standing would he have? So I think that's an interesting theory that you have, Captain. We'll continue with the story. By the way, if you want to learn about Bitcoin, it is definitely not too late. You can go to Bitcoin.com and click Get Started right there at the top of the page. They'll take you to some introductory videos that you can watch and learn about cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. Just click Get Started at the top of the page at Bitcoin.com. Plus, they've got a news site for those of you that aren't brand new. You want to get the latest news headlines about crypto. Get over to news.bitcoin.com. Again, that's news.bitcoin.com. Let's go to Joe calling us from Pembroke. I think that's in New Hampshire. Joe, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Hi. I was calling in tonight to raise awareness about a situation in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. There is a sole YouTuber who is also a combat veteran for the last two years, has been uh, uncovering quite a bit of corruption. His YouTube channel is called Lincoln Square Leonidas. I have no affiliation with it other than just being binge-watching his videos. And uh, he's a libertarian, and he definitely deserves a lot of support and awareness. He's uncovered real estate fraud uh, in the hundreds of millions of dollars that reaches all of the levels of government. He's uncovered pedophilia scandals. Um, In this time, he's had attempts made on his life. And uh, he keeps fighting, and his videos are absolutely hilarious when he is exposing these corrupt uh, corrupt officials. So cool. I just uh, think he's a fellow freedom fighter. So what's happening to this guy? Be- Are they targeting him? Yeah, absolutely. They're all the prosecutors and the judges. They're all in the, uh, you know, they're all involved with this uh, really intricate racket that involves hundreds of millions of dollars in real estate uh, frauds. And uh, they're going after him. They're stacking up charges. And he is, uh, he is uh, taken on. He's being his own defense. None of the lawyers will take on his cases. So he's having to learn, um, you know, how to, uh, how to defend himself and learn all the legal ice. And he's doing a really good job of exposing these people and learning everything and putting it all into digestible content on his YouTube channel, exposing them. 
So he's really got his back up against the wall, and all these corrupt officials are throwing everything at him that they can, and it's just pretty incredible to watch him take that on and still do it with a lot of humor and a good attitude. Okay. I, I applaud anybody who's doing that kind of a thing. My fear, of course, is the repercussions that come when the state does attack people who do this kind of thing that's the that's the just comes with the territory i mean yeah. if you're going to get into calling out the state for its depredations then they're going to get a real interest in you yeah like they've done here with free talk live for instance uh, yeah for example and i i'm just recalling other people like uh, barry cooper for ex- example Another good example yeah you know who never has, get busted yeah it's, he still does great work and is still doing from activism, mexico but he's doing it from outside of the u.s now yeah. he has an agency you know or at least representatives here in the u.s that Mm -hmm. work with him and i know that he's done even like digital appearances uh, as an expert witness in like drug cases things of that nature so it's possible to continue that type of work with the technology that we have um you know i just i just hope for the best for this guy so you're recommending this channel uh joe lincoln square leonidas anything else you want to share about it no, that's it. Just uh, he he definitely deserves all the uh, sp- uh, support and attention for everything that he's putting on the line uh, to expose this. You know, he definitely just deserves some clicks at the very least. All right, so, thanks thank for you. the call tonight. Appreciate hearing from you. And I just want to mention too to all of our listeners: if you're aware of anybody who's doing any kind of uh, liberty-oriented activism, or if you yourself are doing liberty-oriented activism, and you would like to. You know, I don't know, get a bunch of people to you know hear about what you're doing. We have open phones here seven nights a week, 603-283-6160. Uh, Always know. interested in hearing uh, whatever your story is. Yes, sure. please. So back to Ross Ulbricht. In exchange for his agreement to waive any ownership he might have of these bitcoins that the government recovered from an unknown hacker, or at least they're not saying who, a portion of them, so a very small portion, I imagine, because, again, the Bitcoins have more than 10 x yeah. uh, since that time, or 100 x uh, from what they were. They're going to pay off his restitution or his fine in its entirety. Quote, the parties agree that the net proceeds realized from the sale of the Bitcoins forfeited pursuant to this agreement shall be credited toward any unpaid balance of the money judgment reads a court filing from last year using the phrase money judgment to refer to Ulbricht's 2015 restitution order. The document filed in February of 2021 is signed by both Ulbricht and David Countryman, a prosecutor in the Asset Forfeiture Unit of the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Northern District of California. The Department of Justice did not respond to requests for comment. So just back to my theory of what's going on and why the government would sort of do this kind of thing and why they had to get Ulbricht to sign a thing. I think they needed his help. I think they needed his help to help prove that this ha- that this hacker um, stole from the whatever wall one of the wallets that the Silk Road was connected to. Mm-hmm. That's just my theory because I don't think, and you would think that Ulbricht might have some motivation to help that occur as well. Because if I'm running a website and somebody steals from me, and somebody else finds the guy who stole from me, I might want that guy to. Get what's coming. Yeah, you give him a finder's fee. Get some justice. You know, maybe you're using the states, but you know what's Ross going to do? He's already in prison for right. you know a couple. Of, and if he wants to seek any kind of justice, this might be the only opportunity he will get to sort of get back at the guy who hacked in and stole money from his business. 
Yeah, it, and it also makes me wonder if this is going to in any way help him get his sentence reduced by being able to say, hey, look, I paid this $183 million to you guys, so you don't have to worry. You're not going to get that out of me. You got it already. You got your blood, uh, so why don't you just let me walk? Right. I don't know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if this changes anything at all for him. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. More about the story, and you're welcome to share your thoughts all on the way here on Free Talk Live. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. Bring up whatever's on your mind. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian. And the Lord Reverend Dr. Captain Kickass Buckshot Esquire, if you will. You can join us online anytime you want. Just head over to freetalklive.com. We have a social media site at social.freetalklive.com, and you can go over there and get interactive with other Free Talk Live listeners, and you can do it for free, and it's not run by some big, evil, megatech corporation. Certainly not. Uh, in fact, I just there was a, some sort of a tool that I found online today. Somebody shared it. Ben Affleck? Uh, no. A, <laughs> Different a tool, tool? An online tool uh, onto which you can place your Twitter handle. And then you can see if Twitter is shadow banning your account. Oh, I saw your post about that. I was going to ask you about what what you did to find that out. I went to that link okay. that I posted. Right. Uh, and then you put in your username and it runs some tests on your account somehow for yeah. whatever programming magic. And they determine what sort of, if any, what sort of bans might be present on your account that you might not know about. Because when you're shadow banned, you don't know about it necessarily. Yeah. You just... Don't get many people interacting with you for whatever reason on things that you think might should get some attention or whatever. And uh, turns out I am what is called ghost banned on the site, which is Ooh, their term spooky. for the shadow ban, uh, which, uh, you know, nothing I can do about it unless Elon Musk takes over the site and, and clears out all the, the ghost bans, which I wouldn't hold my breath for that. So if, if you want to have the uh, the freedom to express yourself and not have some crazy ban block thing going on with your account, just go to our our site. It's social.freetalklive.com. It's a Mastodon-based system. That means it is open source, self-hosted. It's federated with other Mastodons all around the planet so you can connect with other people on other Mastodons, which is pretty cool. Head over to social.freetalklive.com. Uh, more about Ross Ulbricht's latest deal with the federal government gang but first sambot is on the line listening to wdov in dover delaware go ahead sambot uh yes i wanted to um i've been speaking out on social media and um on facebook um uh concerning my um concerning my name has been um uh, sold to a uh, true finder and it says underneath there a government true finder truth true finder, finder? you can do a bet yeah, on, uh, you can do a background check, uh, and my face, my my son's face, is on there, and but it's showing that is the government watch list, and uh, it shows that uh, that I'm on the government watch list 
to uh, okay. and then it has his face and his uh he's 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 in his thirties and has his face and his girlfriend's face and they want them to look at his gun and drug charges, mm. which we both have the same name. And uh and these are uh uh those are the things that they are using to justify uh of contacting Muslim uh informants and uh ex drug dealers to confront me and then they uh these detectives end up taking pictures and then use that because they're trying to destroy my case, which they already have, uh, to get attorney to. Okay, the, I'm already lost here, Sambot. I you 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 started out talking about Truthfinder, which appears to be a yes. public information website uh, where you can yes. look people up, and then of course I'm sure they want you to pay to get you know the full profile or whatever. And yeah, but, it's but then I've completely become lost on whatever else it was you were trying to say. Captain, are you able to follow what he's saying well, here? Something about his son and him having the same name. And so it sounds like perhaps they're caught in a, uh, uh, you know, a web of uh, same namedness. No, I mean, because it's pretty much uh, uh, they're they're trying to paint me a Muslim to cover up everything they had done. Are you a Muslim? Uh, the, uh, the no, I'm not. I'm a Christian. And uh, okay. And then the Muslims, the Muslim informants that they're using to stage, uh, uh, to confront me, and so they can get pictures and then show uh, ACLU and all the other agencies that I have tried to... Uh, okay, hold on. You're, you're saying they're sending informants to get pictures taken with you so it looks like you're a Muslim? Yes. Okay. And me, Are you being and charged trying- with something? Are there criminal charges here? No, there's there's never been no charge. There never been is it, it, it has never been in no court. Or, what or is your concern like that. that they're trying to build a case against you? Yes, they are trying to build a case uh, against me. It's pretty much just trying to entrap me with uh, with taxes, taxes, uh, perilous, or what? Or what? Yeah, taxes and uh, it's. Well, I mean, everybody is trapped by taxes. So, I mean, why would well, you be not- special? They're, they're they're searching seizing. They were doing it uh, for ten years, and me trying searching to, and seizing what? Uh, my documents, my taxes, uh, all my uh, documents that I was supposed. When you say they were uh, searching and seizing seizing your documents, as the captain asks, who it, are they? Who is doing this? It, the detectives. They used to be Delaware State Police. Okay. Did they and, come to uh, your house with a warrant? No, they never no. did. They How do you know that house. they were searching and seizing your documents then? Oh well, because they because those uh, their names were on that uh, on that uh, documents to fax and mail and hand delivered to the ACLU and Department of Justice. What documents are you so referring all, to? Of all the uh, the the continuous break in and uh, that they're continuous break in. Yes, continuous going in and out of my house without warrants. So and, you believe uh, this, that the government detectives are going yeah. into your house while you're not home. Well, I'm not home. And, and how did you discover that that was the case? Because my documents are missing. And well, not that's only not that, proof of anything, missing, is it? That's proof that maybe somebody went into your home, but it might not have been the government. It could have been anybody, right? Or no, maybe you just misplaced no, the, them. I mean, you sound a little no, no, scattered no. to me. Detectives are being dispatched after I found out my document has been uh, taken. My neighbors. Are uh, what all, evidence uh, do you have of that? Uh, it's all in my. Uh, it's all, all in your witnesses. head. That's correct. My name. You, no, you no, were no, honest no. there I for just my, a moment. My witness. I didn't say head. I said my witnesses. It's just trying to yeah. get my witnesses. But you don't have any witnesses. On my behalf. I do. It's my neighbors. You, your neighbors, neighbors are saying in, that they saw strange men or detectives go into no, your they home. Saw, they, 
yes, they saw detectives going on my property and 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 uh, not so much going my house, but going in my on my property when I wasn't home. But I can prove I can prove all this. All I need is a federal attorney to take my case. That's well, good need, luck, but, Sambot. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to find it uh, because number one, attorneys aren't cheap. Uh, number two, a lot of them don't like to take on the government. They just well, kind of like to stay away from. Hopefully, that. they don't call Sambot to stand. Yeah, I mean, it's really no hard. No offense. To, yeah. Like, I mean, maybe the guy's being as honest as he can, and you know, maybe he's telling us the truth. But if I'm a juror and I heard him speak, I'd be like, yeah, this guy's whacked. Yeah, I, sorry, somebody. You just can't put the story together in a way that is easily understandable. I mean, we're asking question after question, and it hasn't really done a whole lot to clarify the situation. I, I do wish you the best, and if those things are really happening to you, then that sucks. And on the other hand, he might just be paranoid. And I believe that guy called in before. Yeah, I think we heard from him last week. Yeah. Um, and it was just as confusing at that time. And I, I think he was calling in about the uh, the exact same thing. And it's interesting that he brought up this Truthfinder website. It just seems like one of the myriad of public information sites that's sort of kind of scammy looking in the way that they design the site where... Yeah, you can type in somebody's name, and then it has like a little loading bar Was that it takes like, like People Finder. Yeah, that one of those yeah. things. Uh, but then it's but it's like there's a good site called WhitePages.com that yeah. I've used for yeah. a long time. I actually bought a membership to that site. They're not an advertiser or anything like that, but like they don't do the BSE kind of thing like this site does, where if you type in somebody's name, it's got the and it's got this you know this uh, online bar that fills up and it takes. We're a accessing and investigating right now. Yeah, no, yeah, no, we're doing not. a deep search on a million zillion files. What to they're find doing out is the probably like logging your IP address and trying to. You know, scan for any well, cookies that are on your computer yeah. so they can connect you to whatever. But then they do give you, you know, a little bit of teaser information on the person that uh, that they find. And then, of course, they want to charge you. For only nine ninety five, uh, you can get their entire profile. Yeah, for the full so-called report. Um, everybody's on this site. This is not an unusual place. It's nothing to be really concerned about, uh, necessarily. So I, the dude's freaking out. Maybe somebody did break into his house, I, and that's that's awful. I feel like there's some truth to that guy, but like I can't follow him. Yeah. Number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Of course, when they really are out to get you, then that's a whole other thing. Yeah. And usually they will at some point let you know about it. They won't skulk for long. It's Free Talk Live. Join us here. The number 603-283-6160. And as that last call proved, if you could figure out how to dial a phone number, <laughs> you can get on the air. Coherence not required. I mean, we are called Free Talk Live. For yeah, it's true. For better or for worse. The number 603-283-6160. Ian and the captain here in the studio. One thing's you. for sure. There's no show quite like this one. Indeed. Well, I want to get back into Ross Ulbricht because uh, we haven't talked about Ross in quite a while, and there's been a major development in his case, and that is that he's paid off the $183 million fine. How did he do that from jail? For running a website, a very popular website that helped a lot of people. 
that actually probably saved countless lives. The how man does, is a hero. How does it, I mean, this is like probably a first, right? How does a guy sentenced to double life plus 40? 40 years, yeah. Plus 40 years. How does a guy, while incarcerated, earn $183 million, enough to pay off his, quote, restitution, unquote, that the, the government has mandated he pay well according to this wired story they caught a hacker and that hacker had hacked the silk road which was ross's website Mm -hmm. for billions of dollars worth of crypto now what is now worth billions but in the past was probably a couple hundred million uh and they came to him and said hey look sign this thing just say you won't claim any of these coins and we'll consider your debt paid so just i just want to sort of put a fine point on this that this type of a scenario is not possible, near as I can tell, with USD, with regular dollar. dollars. Like if somebody had broken into Ross's apartment mm-hmm. and opened up his safe and stole, you know, a thousand dollars in greenbacks in USD, FRNs, Federal Reserve notes, the common dollar, right? That later on, if the police bust the guy who broke into Ross's apartment and somehow recover that exact $1,000, it's only going to be worth $1,000. It's yeah, not going true. to have in the course of nine years or whatever it's been since it occurred, it's not going to have 10 x in value, yeah. right? So what I'm saying here is respect the cryptocurrency because it does things that no other currency can do. Yeah, it's an amazing story. I didn't expect to see it. Uh, Ulbricht, of course, according to Wired, still faces life in prison. He's already served eight years of that sentence at jails in New York and penitentiaries in Colorado and Arizona. But the repayment of his restitution could mean he's able to earn money in prison, not much, by the way, uh, to share with uh, family or friends without it being seized or garnished to pay his debts or even keep any previously unknown caches of bitcoins that he may still possess so long as they aren't tied to the Silk Road or other criminal sources. And if his sentence is eventually commuted, and his supporters, or as his supporters in a years-long free Ross campaign had petitioned for since even before his sentencing, he would re-enter the world as a free man without hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. And they say here in parentheses that Ulbricht is pursuing a habeas petition in federal court that would cancel his 2015 sentence based on an argument that he received ineffective representation from his attorneys. And I gotta agree. That, yeah, uh, he did. I, I just, I was shocked when this case, we we were paying quite close attention to this case. Uh, some of our hosts, Derek J. Freeman, for instance, was down actually in New York City at the yeah. Manhattan court uh, watching this happen. John Bush uh, was calling in with regular updates. He was watching it as well. Because, again, in federal court, you have to physically be there. They don't right. have an online feed or anything like that. What, you mean and, they're not televising it like no. like or streaming it like Johnny Derp? It would be really awesome if they would televise or, or stream federal trials. But nope, nope, no freedom of the press there. Uh, but yeah, when his attorneys opened the opening statement by saying, Ross did it. Yes. He created the Silk Road. He did it. I was, my thoughts were like, what? This is a $300,000 attorney. And he's just admitting that was his, that was the defense's opening statement. That was the defense's opening statement. They opened the case by saying, yep. Sure was. He created this website. Ross did it. But he didn't do it the whole time. 
It was somebody else that did. He took it over. Somebody else took it over. But they wouldn't let him. They wouldn't let the defense actually introduce that defense. That was going to be their defense was, oh, well, we're going to say Ross created the site, but that he wasn't running it at the time when X, Y, and Z happened. I wasn't scrutinizing the trial as it went down. I was reading the you know, the post stuff, like, you know, day two, day five, you know, I catch every other day or so's report on it. But, uh, yeah, I. In in a bizarre twist, the agreement to ease or rather erase Ulbricht's restitution payments appears to have been made without the involvement or even the knowledge of the prosecutors in the Southern District of New York. Good. Aren't they the bastards that railroaded him? They are. Okay, so they they were proven to have been involved in all sorts of, we'll call it chicanery, within the case itself. So the fact that they were not involved pleases me. The Justice Department attorneys who handled Ulbricht's case, again, were skipped by on this. Quote, this resolution was not coordinated with SDNY. One former Justice Department staffer told Wired to not coordinate with the prosecuting authority that obtained the judgment is extremely unorthodox, unquote. The surprise deal to cancel his restitution may have uh, been made simply to smooth out any impediment to the government's massive financial seizure, said a researcher and computer scientist at UC Berkeley, Nick Weaver. Weaver's closely followed Ulbricht's case for years and even proved Ulbricht's bitcoins could be traced to the Silk Road during his trial. Quote, this was a way for the government not to have to deal with pointless legal hassles during the forfeiture process. He says, arguing that Ulbricht could have found an attorney to fight against and delay the seizure in return for a fraction of any potential reward. Quote, I'm certain Ross Ulbricht could have gotten a lawyer on a contingency basis to challenge the forfeiture simply because a 2% chance of winning would still be a multi-hundred million dollar payout right. for the attorney. Yeah. Quote, the strange series of events that ultimately led to his restitution windfall first came to light in November of 2020 when the Justice Department announced it had seized nearly 70,000 bitcoins from someone that they referred to only as Individual X. That unnamed individual, according to an IRS criminal investigations affidavit, had stolen the Bitcoin fortune from the Silk Road while it was still online and exploiting by exploiting a security vulnerability in the site. Ulbricht, according to the affidavit, went so far as to threaten Individual X personally in an attempt to persuade them to return the money, but instead, the individual held onto the hoard of coins for more than seven years as the crypto appreciated massively in value. An IRS criminal investigation was able to trace the funds, identify individual X, mm-hmm. and persuade them to forfeit the sto- persuade persuade them to forfeit the stolen drug money to avoid criminal prosecution. Right. So uh, this is where my theory about that's why they're not saying who it was. Right. This is where my theory about they needed Ross's help to prove that the coins came from his wallet in some way, shape, or form. Now, I say his wallet. I say the Silk Road wallet, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think they, they needed him to, I don't know, to do something. They needed his input. And so they were like, you know, in exchange for not only getting the guy who stole from you, but like we'll also use the proceeds to pay off this thing. And so like if you earn some money now, it's good for you. But that's the thing, Captain. I mean, they wouldn't need him to prove it. They already know what his wallet was because they investigated the case and all that stuff's public. 
So chain analysis, uh, I mean, again, I don't know the specifics, but I think they needed his help for something. That may be the case. By the time the nearly 70,000 Bitcoins were seized, they had grown to more than $1 billion in value at the time. Now they're probably even higher. With a B. At the the time, the largest criminal seizure ever carried out by the Justice Department. That record has since been broken by the seizure of $3.6 billion from a New York couple accused of laundering the proceeds from a hack of a cryptocurrency exchange called Bitfinex. And we talked Mm -hmm. about that when it happened as well within the last couple months in the time since that seizure however court records show the justice department has fought off a series of seemingly frivolous claims to the bitcoins which prevented it from immediately selling off the coins as they do with other seized crypto that resulted in the bitcoins appreciating even more to nearly three billion dollars at current exchange rates when the coins are eventually sold and that sum is added to the u.s treasury it will easily cover ulbrich's restitution with billions of dollars to I guess, spare. I guess it could just be as simple as, even though he may not be able to really have any legal claim to the seized bitcoins, mm-hmm. that he could certainly delay it. delay it by making a claim, filing endless paper, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Entrapping the bureaucracy with their own bureaucracy, preventing them from actually cashing in the bitcoin now when it has 10 x yeah. Right. And, you know, maybe he could have delayed it enough to where, you know, there's a dip in the market and, oh, no, it's not worth as much now. You know, maybe the government is just, we need to cash this in now. Well, it's worth something, you know? Yeah. So they wanted to clear the way. His mom, Lynn, who has championed her son's defense in the case for a pardon since his arrest, wrote in a statement to Wired, the repayment of his restitution represents a significant victory. Lynn said, quote, we're very pleased the financial penalty that was wrongly imposed on Ross. I'm glad she's still saying that. Yes. That's, that's good. Has been reversed, just as other false charges against him were dropped in federal court after trial. She's referring, of course, to the murder for hire charge that was total garbage and that they used to give him a black mark during the trial with the judge. She considered that while she sentenced him, even though he was never convicted of it. And I don't even know if they ended up charging him officially with it either. But uh, there's more coming up. We'll get a little bit more from Ross's mom. And your calls are welcome. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour of the program. You can join us here at 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up tonight, there's a congressperson who has been caught... Wearing lingerie. Congress critter? Yes. And he likes the lingerie. 
Uh, or at least that's what may be the case. I mean, okay, but like, I don't really care. I don't either. But like, it's interesting because he talks out against people who are not like totally straight laced conservative. He's one of these. Oh, he's yeah. one of those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, remember the story when uh, that Congress guy was like playing footsie with the dude underneath the bathroom stall, and they busted him for like trying to have sex with some congressional aide, right. yeah. another another man uh, in the bathroom. And again, he was one of these. Them gays are bad gays. Bad. Turns out he's those, gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's that story all over again. Huh. We can get into that coming up here uh, in moments. I'm, Otherwise, I'm with you, Captain. I don't care if you wear lingerie. Do whatever I, you want. I I mean, it'd probably be more fun if he wore it to like Congress. You know, whenever he was doing fun. his job. I just want to say something real quick about Russell. Brooke yeah, I want, and, there's more to and, say about and his Bitcoin. I'm just curious now. Let's just say he gets a job in the prison where he's at. You know, right. I don't know. He's making license plates or doing dishes or serving slop or whatever he's yeah. doing, right? And he's making. I know you don't make diddly squat fifty cents an hour, fifty cents okay, for a day or so, something. So let's let's say he makes twenty bucks a week, right? Just for mm-hmm. a nice round number to yeah. to imagine. Let's imagine he makes twenty bucks a week, and that's you know more than enough to you know. Let's just say that's profit. His twenty bucks a week. Okay. He's got all his expenses covered, right? Now he can give that up. Now that his debt is satisfied, his restitution is satisfied with this deal with this seized Bitcoin. Uh, I wonder if he can give that money to like a relative, for example, who yes. can then take that money and put it into oh, I don't know, say Bitcoin, for example. Sure. And like literally dollar cost average <laughs> while in jail, a, a prison wage into Bitcoin. I'd be curious to see what that turns what into. that turns into. Yeah. You know, on down the road, particularly if he gets out. Yeah, that would be really nice. I would be happy just to find out that Ross Ulbricht ever gets out of prison. Right, and uh, and I, I sus- he's an old man. I suspect that the donations have been forthcoming, uh, n- not only to his defense fund, but should he get out, I suspect he wouldn't have to worry about you know a place to live and you know food and stuff like that immediately. We'll go to the phones here. We got TJ the spy on the line here uh, on our. A sip line, as we call it. You can go to sipsip.freetalklive.com to learn, to learn how to connect to said sip line. It is uh, usually of a much higher quality than a typical phone call. Uh, TJ calling us, I believe, from his home in Colorado. Go ahead, TJ. Hey, brother. How's it going? Sounds I was just good. calling about Ross Albrick. Um, yeah. It turned, you know, well, it turned out he had a birthday, I think, in late, late March. Yeah. And so one of the things I sent him was a picture album of some landscapes i took pictures of um various places in colorado Mm -hmm. and held a sign that said free ross in in them and i sent them i had them printed out on photo paper and send them to the prison so spite you know to kind of brighten up a cell and they didn't reject it they didn't throw it back at you and say you can't send pictures uh, no, in fact, that was okay, the requirement any photos sent to a federal prison inmate have to be printed on photo paper okay got it Cool. So it was one of those old rules, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that you know he's doing he's doing well. His artwork is magnificent. I have all three of his black and white charcoal sketches in my room. Nice. And I just bought a a reprint of his one called "What Happened to the Cages." So if you go to uh, freeross.org, you can actually look at some of his artwork, some of his earlier work when he was in prison waiting trial, and you can also see his new NFT work. 
which has a lot of color. It's basically um, uh, animation that he did cell by cell, and he exported mm. them to make a movie. Is that the uh, the NFT that raised, what was it? Six million, Six million something yeah. like that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw that online, and it was very sad because it was a imagery, uh, sort of an am- animated image of a, a man gaining years while behind uh, prison cell bars and pretty sad stuff. But that's the reality for him right now. Well, I wrote him another letter and I said, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, for what it's worth, he made a huge difference in my life and the life of many others. And so I said, if you know, you know, like he said, as the Dread Pirate Roberts, that he wanted to make a difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'd say by starting the Silk Road and making Bitcoin famous, he definitely made a huge impact on the world. Yeah, he did. If there's ever any doubt, the man is at at a minimum historical. I don't know who said it. Um, I know Lynn, his mom, gave credit to somebody at some Bitcoin convention years ago for this, but I'll always remember it was a great quote that uh, there are two people, the most important two people to Bitcoin are Satoshi Nakamoto and Ross Ulbricht, Agreed. one and two. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with any luck, if you uh, if things go wrong at your trial, you can end up being his cellmate. <laughs> I don't think they do that. They generally keep I, people away from one another. I don't know if I'd call that luck. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, I mean, I've been I've been trying to get on his uh, visitor list for a long time, but they uh, the COVID, you know, you can't visit mm-hmm. him in prison. But I've been thinking yeah. about taking a like a road trip with James down to uh, Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, where he's housed, and mm-hmm. just say hello. You know, I just want to say thank you, TJ, for doing those types of things. For you know, writing to him and you know the correspondence, things of that nature. I I don't oh, do sure. that kind of stuff, but I'm certain that if I were in Ross's shoes and somebody were writing to me, I would appreciate it. Well, did he write you back? Oh yes, uh, we we have an ongoing correspondence, and Great. so I uh, I keep all of his letters that he writes to me. But I you know going back about two years. Fantastic. Thank you for doing that. I, I think that uh, I've had communications with Ross in the past, but now that I'm under federal bail conditions, it's probably against the rules. I know they don't well, allow people who are in gif- different facilities to write to one another, so they probably would reject me. In fact, I got pre-rejected uh, for Chris Cantwell. Pre-rejected? Yeah. <laughs> Some wow. How do you get rejected before you get yeah, rejected? They sent That's me a, interesting. It was weird. They sent me an email saying, uh, you're banned from writing to Chris Cantwell, and I never even tried to wow. write to Chris Cantwell. It was very strange. But, no, very yeah. interesting. Well, brother, I'll be there in November when your trial is to wear Mr. Bitcoin and... Uh, Hopefully they won't subpoena me. I've already offered, gave my immunized proffer agreement to the U.S. government where I told them that if I was called to testify against you at your trial, that I don't know anything. So that's what I said to them. And, you know, my attorney, Paul Garrity, was there in the room. And so we had a nice little chat. It lasted 15 minutes. And hopefully they'll go on and bother someone who's an actual criminal now. Yeah. We'll see nice. about that. Thanks for the call tonight, TJ. Appreciate hearing from you. I would require them looking in the mirror. Oof. Zing. Let's talk to Sarah. She's in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Oh, am, am I on? You're on, Sarah. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, I just want to say that what I have noticed is that the ART route line. Um, That's a train, many right? Is it a bus or a train? What is the ART? The the Albuquerque the Albuquerque um, Rapid Transit is that like a little train, like an electric train? No, it's, a, it's actually a it's actually a bus service. Okay, but it's fast. It's a 
it's um, really nice. So every time they build uh, these uh, roads that are new and pedestrian safe, we get a lot of uh, more expensive condominiums built. A lot of the nice apartments come up, and Hotel uh, Hilton gets built. So it improves the the value of the property along that. Route. Well, if it actually did that. Then the marketplace would just go ahead and do that on its own, and you wouldn't need the government to force everyone to pay for it. Sarah's in this cause or what is it? Correlation doesn't equal cause. causation. Yeah. yeah. She, so what she sees is that uh, Albuquerque gets this rapid transit line, and then all of a sudden some new, new condos go up, and like she sees that as the cause. Oh, it must be because of this yeah. sweet rapid transit line. That's because <laughs> no, so many of the hotel uh, patrons are coming in on the bus, right. on the city bus. Thanks for the call tonight, Sarah. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. But no, instead of allowing the businesses that might want more business or whatever to build their own bus line. If it indeed does bring new business, no, they force the entire city of Albuquerque to pay for it and subsidize it. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us. Free Talk Live. Phones are open here. Live Saturday show. You can bring up whatever you want. Number 603-283-6160. want to say thanks to Eric Haley, who is a Free Talk Live Gold supporter of the AMPS program. It's a Patreon. And you can join it over at amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. Takes you right over to the Patreon page where you can learn more and sign up with your PayPal, your credit card, or your debit card. And uh, we appreciate it. It's all of 5 bucks a month, although Eric's doing gold level, which means he's doing at least 10 Many so thanks, Eric. Thank you, Eric, for that support. And you get some cool benefits, uh, perquisites, if you will, by signing up over it. Some what? Perquisites. That's, that's what perks is short for. Per- you ever heard perks? You get perks, like y- benefits? Yeah. Perquisite. That's what it's short for. Huh. Yeah, like pot is short for potentiometer in radio. Yeah, I, Perks I get that. is short for perquisites. Huh. Yeah, I didn't know that for a long time. Oh. So, now you go to amps.freetalklive.com. I feel like I'm on South Park. You know, I learned something today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, a little bit more about Ross Ulbricht, yeah. the founder of the Silk Road, who has all of a sudden had his $183 million fine paid off. Because the government found who hacked his website a long time ago and recovered 70,000 bitcoins. And they said, well, you know what? We'll just go ahead and sign a deal with Ross Ulbricht and keep these 70,000 bitcoins because it's worth $3 billion. And we'll go ahead and use that to pay off his debt because we're feeling nice. No, that's not why they did it. We're still not really clear on why they did it. They say it's because they didn't want Ross Ulbricht to challenge the ownership of the coins and try to claim they were his. There might be something to that, too. I was thinking during the break that um, when it comes to government seizing property, particularly if drugs are involved, yeah. agencies like the DEA will generally retain those proceeds to fund their department or their investigations or what have you. That's right. So there might be something to that, because think of that payday for that agency. Oh, yeah. Considering all that's involved here, if they didn't want to wait for that money, you know, they'd have to make sure that all the T's and are crossed and I's are dotted before they could actually transduce that BTC legally into USD and fund 
whatever it is they wanted to fund. Right. So that's the story is that they wanted to clear the way legally and just make sure that Ross couldn't call into question this seizure, try to put some sort of claim on these funds, even though he wouldn't have succeeded with that because obviously the funds were the you know the proceeds of alleged crime. Even though we don't think that it's a crime to run a website, a free market website, the federal government certainly does. And that's what he was convicted of, right? So I don't think he would have been successful at any kind of claim on those funds. But just to avoid the entire procedure, they said, all right, well, sign this paper, just signs it over to us, confirms that you don't have any claim on it, and we'll waive the $183 million. We'll, we'll consider it paid. Now, of course, he's still sitting in prison for the rest of his life, plus another life sentence, plus 40 years, and his mom is still fighting to get him out from behind bars. She says, quote, this is just a reminder, another reminder that the case against Ross has always been misrepresented and weak, and we look forward to the day when Ross's unjust sentence is corrected and he returns to the free world where he can contribute to society, unquote. And by the way, Ross Ulbricht is a member of the Free State Project, so mm-hmm. presumably if he gets out of prison or when he gets out of prison, because... I'd like to be optimistic about it. I'd like to try and manifest that. Yeah, he'll so move when here. he gets out, I'm yeah, with you. He'll move here to New Hampshire. That'd be great. And join the uh, the Free State, as he said he was doing. I'm sure he would have tons of support. She notes, however, that like any prisoner, her son cannot hold any financial assets in prison beyond a commissary account for basic needs. Recent sales of the NFTs, uh, TJ mentioned the artwork that yep. he's been making, uh, based on his art, for instance, raised more than $6 million worth of crypto, but the funds went into a trust earmarked for Ulbricht's defense. She says, as well as charitable contributions to other prisoners and their families. The restitution repayment doesn't mean much for Ulbricht's hopes of a pardon or a change to his sentence, argues Weaver, but it does do away with a restitution order that he's always considered a misguided blood-from-a-stone attempt to squeeze Ulbricht for more bitcoins. He says, quote, this is the guy that has been following the case they, they talked to. He says, somebody involved in the early days of the Silk Road is no longer the subject of the Fed's ire. The Fed's got their restitution, and Ross no longer has that stupidity hanging over him. It seems like a win-win-win for all involved. Well, I guess if you consider having a gun to your head uh, and you know the trigger not being pulled a win... Okay, yeah, there is that, but the dude's still in a prison cell. I mean, it's it's hard to get too excited about this particular news, but it is interesting nonetheless that it has transpired. And I hope that even though they're skeptic, you know, people are skeptical that this will in any way assist him, that in whatever court hearings are to come, that it could somehow be a factor in his favor. And I just want to point out again, not to be redundant, but. This is the government stealing stolen property. That's right. The 70,000 bitcoins was stolen from Ross's website, and now the government's got it, and they're going to sell it. Yep. And they're going to make $3 billion off of this deal. That's a lot of funding. Sure is. Well, I mean, for them, it's dropping the bucket. I mean, three billion here, three billion there. Okay, but maybe no for a department that's you know maybe going to get the axe or get its budget cut or something like you that. You know, that's not going to happen. Okay, but <laughs> now they can now they can afford better gear to yeah. like you know to arrest more innocent people. Yeah, to break into more radio stations or whatever they're yeah, going to do. Right? Exactly. So there's your uh, your update on the Ross Ulbricht situation. I want to encourage you again if you're just tuning in and you're hearing about this, go to freeross.org. And take the time to learn about this case. It is absolutely fascinating in an outrageous sort of manner, in a, oh my God, how could they do this to this person kind of manner. 
Uh, you can go to freeross.org. There's a petition signature that they could still use. They've got almost a half a million signatures. And uh, there's all kinds of information here, everything from Ross's writings, his artwork. Uh, there's a just a detailed, essentially a, a detailed documentary. And I'm trying to see where they've linked. There's a lot of content on this site. Railroaded. There you go. You go, you go down the page a little bit and you'll find Railroaded, the real story of Silk Road. And then they give uh, sentencing disparities. They they look at other people who were involved in this case or related cases and look at their sentences. Yeah. Uh, the biggest drug dealer on Silk Road, Jan Slomp, received ten years. That guy, I believe, was you know like a heroin dealer. Uh, another guy, another large drug seller, five years. Forum moderator on Silk Road, seventeen months. An administrator on Silk Road, six and a half years. Andrew Jones, five and a half years. Which is actually interesting. I'd been following Jones's case for a long time, uh, and for a long time it was just in limbo. That years after Ross was sentenced, he, he had not been sentenced at all. But apparently, he did get five and a half years. And the reason I followed his case was because he actually came to Keene years ago. I it's again not to be redundant, but the Silk Road did far more to eliminate violence within. The drug trade. The drug trade. Then government has ever in its entire existence. Yeah, done. that's true. Yep. In two years of existence, they saved yeah. countless lives, prevented countless people from being robbed in, at gunpoint in the street and drug deals gone bad, and increased the quality of the products that are available in the black market through yeah. competition. Yeah. Lowered prices and really helped a lot of people. The guy's a hero. Agreed. And he's sitting in prison on a double life sentence plus 40 years without the possibility of parole, while everybody else, it looks like they're almost all out of prison at this point. Every, including the corrupt cops, by the way, that were involved in the uh, the arrest. One of those got eight years and the other six and a half. More coming up here in moments. This is Free Talk Live. Insight Daily Radio. Conversations with today's most interesting artists and creators. Author, humorist, and radio personality Garrison Keillor has been a fixture in popular culture since the 1970s with more than 30 best-selling books and his Prairie Home Companion radio program. And he has a new book entitled Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel. We caught up with Garrison to chat about his new book and the creative journey that continues to bring Lake Wobegon to life. I'm not proud of my generation We came along after the Depression era, and my generation then felt liberated, free in a prosperous time to go out and and make a new world. And in the meantime, in our sort of libertarian uh, exuberance, we ignored uh, a great many problems that we're now passing on to our children. I don't look back with great pride. I look forward with curiosity, and I intend, I fully intend, (laughs) to live long enough to see some of it, huh? Why leave now? It's too interesting. That's author and humorist Garrison Keillor, whose new book, Boomtown, a Lake Wobegon novel, has just been released and is now available wherever books are sold. Free 
Talk Live. The phones are open. You can join us. Live Saturday show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. You can join us online as well over at freetalklive.com. Lots of features are there. We also have an Odyssey channel. That's where we stream live every single night video. Of course, we have audio live streams available at freetalklive.com. But if you prefer to watch and interact with our other Odyssey listeners, you can do that at video.freetalklive.com. That'll take you right to our channel. If you go to watch.freetalklive.com, it takes you right to the live stream page. Uh, So either one will get you there. And it is a great way to watch the show, but also see archives as well if you want to go back in time and see what we did earlier this week or last year or whatever. You can do that over at video.freetalklive.com. The Odyssey platform is way better than YouTube because they're way more freedom-oriented over there. At- and, and they're getting better daily. Like, uh, yeah. I, They're about ready to release their sort of version of Patreon. I heard about this. Yeah, yeah. I, keep, I keep getting emails from them about it, and so it's, it's coming. And yes, please, bring it on, because that is what is needed, right? Patreon... While it's a good idea, uh, A, is restrictive because it only accepts, what, credit cards, right? You know, debit Mm -hmm. cards, that kind of thing. Whereas something like Odyssey, natively crypto. Yeah, they've been getting uh, more like dollar oriented, sure. I guess, too, because that's what a lot of their creators want. They they're more than just a crypto based website. They're trying to compete with YouTube, so you can donate. In but dollars to just well, have but, the option, I mean, yeah. Patreon isn't going. Hey, uh, we're going to also accept crypto here in no, the next six months. No, they're, they're not, not. Not at all. Uh, check us out over at video.freetalklive.com. So I don't follow who these Congress critters are. Yeah. I, I don't know one from the other for the most part. I could not have told you who Madison Cawthorn, which is a really strange first name for a man, but Madison. Uh, What's his last name? Cawthorn. Cawthorn? C- C-A-W-T-H-O-R-N. Like Hawthorne with a C. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have known him from Adam. I don't know who these people are. But what I saw in the news over the last, I don't know, two days, it popped up over on uh, Drudge Report from Politico.com, exclusive. Madison Cawthorn photos reveal him wearing women's lingerie in a public setting. Now, I don't care what you want to wear. I don't care who you want to party with or what you're doing. As long as everybody's consenting. Yeah. As long as you're not hurting anybody, I could care less. You can put on whatever lingerie you want to, take whatever photos you want to, sell them, give them away. I don't care. But when you're a politician... And you make a name for yourself about how conservative and prim and proper and Christian and blah, blah, blah that you are. And then you go and you do this. I want to talk about it because I find that particularly interesting. I find that particularly hypocritical. Oh, very much. From characters like this. And this keeps on happening. Of course it does. Right? Photographs obtained by Politico appear to show Madison Cawthorn, the embattled Republican congressman from North Carolina who recently accused his GOP colleagues of inviting him to orgies, wearing lingerie in what appears to be a party setting. So apparently this guy was invited to orgies and he declined, allegedly, those invites. Okay, so first of all... GOP orgies. Yeah, right? Like, what I, is that? I mean, first of all, they got to be the most boring orgies ever. <laughs> Either that or they're really, like, crazy. 
you know, I, the, I, the sexually repre- the sexual repression of oh, people yeah, can kind of get manifest. a couple of drinks in them. It gets all wild. Yeah, it, it sexually <laughs> repressed people can manifest in some very strange ways. So God knows what goes on at these things. Cawthorn is only twenty six, by the way. Oh, okay. He was raised. In I was a, imagining a bunch of like old stuffy like republican types no i should well you, you saw, <laughs> yeah, the I saw the picture yeah. uh he was raised in a conservative baptist community in henderson county north carolina and has staked his political persona on arch traditional christian principles and the insistence of the importance of a kind of hyper masculinity his comments about quote the sexual perversion unquote in washington made on a podcast which he later admitted were exaggerated drew the public disapproval and disavowal of minority leader kevin mccarthy as well as other republican leaders including those in his north carolina congressional caucus the revelation of the two photos is the latest in a series of unflattering headlines for the freshman member of congress in the run-up to the primary in his first re-election bid said primary is coming up may 17th okay isn't this kind of though like a politician prerequisite don't all politicians hypocrite well yeah but also to have some sort of thing skeletons in the closet something something drug up from you know either you know something they do or something they did mm-hmm. that uh, you know sort yes. of makes them look bad in the light of because the public because they are bad and, people and all that kind of, yes and they're hiding things right but you. i mean this seems like a rite of passage for politicians to be in lingerie point. you mean or to be hiding something uh, to be publicly shamed for something hmm. which i agree with like in fact i think all politicians should feel a whole bunch of shame uh, whenever they're in public because well they're really criminals but it, like it seems to me every politician goes through something like this Cawthorn was paralyzed apparently from the waist down as a passenger in a car accident in florida in 2014 in recent months has called ukrainian president vladimir zelensky a thug which he's not wrong about that, suggested teetotaling Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi as a drinking problem, probably also true, and racked up a collection of traffic transgressions, including speeding, driving with expired tags, and driving with a revoked license. Don't care. I don't care what he does as far as, you know, speeding or whatever. Everybody speeds. He has court dates in May and June. Politico could not independently verify the photos, which are screenshots of the original images. They were provided by a person formerly close to Cawthorn and his campaign, A second person, formerly close to him, confirmed the origin of the photos. The date they were taken is unclear, though they appear to show him sitting in a wheelchair, indicating the event happened after his accident. In the photos, he's wearing a distinctive pendant necklace that appeared in other images and videos of Cawthorn, and his spokesman did not respond. However, Cawthorn has now tweeted and basically admitted that these things are real, because he could have denied it, right? Oh, it's a Photoshop. Mm -hmm. He admitted it. He said the photos were taken of him during a game on a cruise before he was elected to Congress. Quote, I guess the left thinks goofy vacation photos during a game on a cruise taken way before I ran for Congress is somehow going to hurt me. They're running out of things to throw at me. Share your most embarrassing vacation pics in the replies. Unquote. So that's how he's pawning this one off. It's like, oh, it's just a little game I played while wearing lingerie. And having women who look like fag hags all over me. <laughs> uh, and I haven't heard that term in a while, sorry. And the look on this guy's face in one of these photos. He also is apparently wearing hoop earrings as well. Yeah. So not just lingerie, but you know, fully done up. Yeah. Uh, the look on his face 
I have seen gay men with this look on their face before. Like, this is a gay look to me. That you, think, you think he's uh, in the closet? I think he is absolutely a closeted gay man. Yeah? Absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, I don't have good gaydar. Bonnie does, though, so I showed her, I showed her these pictures, and yeah. she agreed with me. <laughs> so, and again, I don't care if this guy's gay. Whatever, dude. Yeah, do whatever don't, you don't want. Don't be a hypocrite about it. But don't get out there and say, here's one of the things he said. I was raised on Proverbs and push-ups, he said in a podcast in September of 2020. Quote, I subscribe to Judeo-Christian beliefs. I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you think you, uh, if, if, sorry, I think if you think about my political ideology, where it really stems from, you know, my ethics and my morals and what I think is right and wrong, you look to ancient Jerusalem. You've got ancient Judeo-Christian values, so right and wrong. I also cling to a lot of traditional values and a lot of traditional ideas because they've worked in the past. Well, if he had any real sense of ethics and morals, the last thing he would be is a politician. A politician. Uh, he said, I think we have a bred a generation of soft men, and that generation has created a lot of problems in our society and our culture. He said also on a podcast in March of last year, he said, designed to reclaim and restore masculinity in a society that is ever more dismissive of what it means to be a man. Further, he said in a tweet earlier this week, there's only one God and two genders. So that gives you an idea of who this person is, or at least who they represent themselves as. And the hypocrisy is not that surprising here. Yet another truth revealed about a politician who's lying to you. More coming up here. You can join us on Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. You can join us here. You can bring up whatever is on your mind here in the studio tonight. It's Ian. And the captain. Whether you want to talk about Ross Ulbricht and the latest in his case with the Silk Road and his wrongful sentencing to two life uh, life terms in prison plus 40 years, you want to weigh in on that, you're certainly welcome to do so or bring up whatever's on your mind or this... Another hypocritical politician who is... But you repeat yourself. Yeah, indeed. Uh, This one got caught, though. And he's caught wearing lingerie in some sort of a, I don't know, review show or whatever on a cruise line, allegedly. And he's admitted to it. Uh, And he blew it off as though, oh, it's just a little bit of fun. And I'm sure it was for him, you know, because he clearly enjoyed putting on that lingerie. He does appear to be having fun in the photo. Yeah. And so do the ladies that are uh, that are with him in that yes. photograph. Two photos, as a matter of fact. He's got quite a look a look on his face, a look of pure enjoyment in that uh, instance. But if you were to only read the things that he says on his Twitter or in public commentary, he sounds like he's all about the masculine man and being completely right wing and conservative and Christian. And then he's wearing lingerie. Uh, on a cruise publicly with other people so you tell me i i immediately discount anybody who works for any government entity when they bring up the words ethics and morals yep you're immediately discounted because it is immoral to be a politician and And run the government (laughs) and the government is an organization of violence it is even as barack obama admitted a monopoly on violence. And, and it's not just that it's an organization of violence, right? That, like, when, when people say it's an organization, like, 
lay people, people who've never heard anybody say that before, will go, well, so that's one of many organizations that are based on, no, actually, it's the only one. It's the apex it's, one. It's the only organization type government that is based solely on violence. Not only that, though. Like, that's bad enough if you think about it. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's an organization that's based on violence. Government as an organization type, a per- people organization type, is responsible for all of the most heinous, largest, inhumane things ever done to people. Yes. Like, if you, you go, I mean, war. Hundreds of millions dead. Hundreds of millions. In just the 20th century. Yeah, 262 million, I yeah. think, is the democide statistic. Yeah. That, in and of itself, should be enough for anybody to look at it and go, oh, okay, guys, uh, we should just go ahead and abolish this as a human organization type. But no, we're, we're to, way no. better off. Like, I, I would definitely take my chances one on one against any but psychopath. What about the warlords? Any Captain? psychopath, right? Because I'm pretty sure that one on one, you know, I'll be able to get my whatever it is, justice, whatever you want to call it, yeah. you know, or defend myself from them one on one. When you give them an entire institution to run with bombs and military gear and planes and drones and now all this spyware that they're using to spy on everybody it's a global phenomenon it's not just the u.s government it's all of the governments are doing this crap now when you give them an entire agency with which to perpetuate their evil i can't think of anything worse I'm with you. I and wish. it should be super obvious to everybody that it's time for that organization type to go away. Yeah, I wish more people would see it that way. Unfortunately, they run the schools. They are the ones indoctrinating people, and so we're nowhere even near having it being super obvious to people about that because most people, if they can see a problem, and it's easy to show them the problems with the state. Most people can acknowledge the state has all kinds of yeah. issues. They don't have the conclusion of, oh, well, let's get rid of it. Their conclusion is... <laughs> they, they usually go, well, what are we going to do? Well, no, the conclusion is, well, throw the bums out. Put, them new, put new bums in. How'd the bums get in there in the first place? Let's go to John. He's on the line in New York listening in Watertown to WTNY. Go ahead, John. Thanks, guys, for being on the air. Sure. I just wanted to let you guys know that uh, dancing around in uh, lingerie and someone else's panties might not be the best way to, uh, to have a party, especially as a GOP uh uh, representative for uh, for the Republicans, especially if they're going to take the uh, the primary. Uh, but uh, maybe they should be probably doing it on drugs, considering that the legalization of marijuana is coming up to vote again in New Hampshire. Uh, from what I'm reading in the usnews.com report is that uh, Thursday, as of January 6, 2022, that uh, Three quarters of an ounce would be able to be grown, and uh, six plants would be able to be had by New Hampshire residents. Uh, so I'm kind of curious about what you guys think. New York has legalized marijuana for recreational use. However, uh, there's no way to actually grow or buy these plants except for a dispensary. What do you guys think about that? Well, Should it be legalized for I, for, for recreational use, for purchase by by regular dealers, or do you think that it should be regulated from the dispensaries? It's a great question. I appreciate you asking. I lived in Seattle, Washington for 22 years, 
before moving to New Hampshire about three years ago. And so I got to see what happens when a state government legalizes recreational marijuana. Here's what happens. Uh, They regulate the crap out of it. They take roughly half of everybody's income at every stage of the process. So with if it's the growers, they take like 40%. If it's the distributors, they take like 44%. And then the retailers, they take like another 40%. Uh, they force them to behave uh, with the rules that are already in place for alcohol. Now, these are two different substances completely. Uh, and so they shouldn't be forced to conform to uh, rules for a different substance, first and foremost. S- ignoring all of that, however... It is my personal philosophy that drugs should have never become illegal. People seek them out, whether they're legal or illegal. And it is a very presumptive stance for an organization of violence to take to think that they know how to live a life that isn't theirs better than anybody else now i make my own personal decisions if there is a drug that i want to take i take it whether or not it's legal in the eyes of the government Uh, and many people across the globe have done so for hundreds thousands millions of years even marijuana specifically is a plant it grows. You find it in nature. Mm-hmm. You can literally it's a weed. You can literally walk through a, like a state forest and stumble on a wild marijuana plant. Sure. <laughs> so for an organization known as government, an organization of violence to go plant bad mm-hmm. is very presumptive of them, and in my humble opinion, a bunch of horse hockey. Uh, John, before well, I- before you go on, I just want to throw in uh, on your question. You mentioned something on January 6th. I think what you're referring to would have been the state house that voted for a marijuana legalization provision, and that now is facing the state Senate, so it has not yet passed. Uh, The state Senate has... They had a committee hear it, and that committee voted against it, so the committee's recommendation is that the state Senate kill the bill. And in this case, I do agree. I think the bill should be killed because uh, and I fully support the idea of having cannabis be completely unregulated and completely free to the marketplace to do whatever they want with. This bill would have created a government sales apparatus right. for cannabis. It would have created government stores, kind of like the government in New Hampshire runs the liquor distribution business. It has liquor mm-hmm. stores and does not allow competition, the same thing would be true of cannabis if this bill were to go through. So that's what we're talking about here. But cannabis is decriminalized and has been uh, since 2017 here as far as possession is is concerned. And now think about this for just a minute. Uh, the caller is John. J- John. Think about this for just a minute, John. If that If that bill were to have gone through, how hypocritical would it have been for government to go plant bad and then, oh, wait, no. It can be good now, but only if we're the dealer. Yeah, that's right. Well, that that's the other problem is that the Brooking Institute uh, released an article actually a lot earlier than that one from 2022 from the House of New Hampshire to state in March 1st of 1996, drug legalization, time for a real debate, where they talk about the legalization of all drugs under the sun, making it more of a health problem rather than a legal problem than has been uh, uh uh, persistent in our uh, uh, nuclear family problem. So the, the nuclear family, considering husband and wife, 
the true family uh, as of the Constitution and uh, the, the uh, everything else that we understand to be Judeo-Christian, as you guys have previously talked about, that is true. So why can't we just legalize all drugs and just say that... Uh, I am completely it, with you on that. All The yep. entire war on drugs needs to end. It's an insane violation of people's rights. And drugs rights. already won the war. No doubt about it. Uh, thank you, John, for the call tonight. Great topic. We'll continue in Hour 3. Coming This is Free Talk Live, kicking off the third hour here of the live Saturday show. With you tonight, it's Ian. And the captain. Coming up, the captain has a story. Oh, I do, don't I? Regarding potential sabotage. I do? Of food processing facilities. Oh, yes. And it's very concerning. We'll uh, get into that coming up here in a little bit. The number is 603-283-6160. Of course, the phones are always open for you here on Free Talk Live. As we continue, we will get right back into your calls and thoughts. We're going down to New Mexico, where Richard is on the line. Go ahead, Richard. Yes, I'm calling in to... Richard, do me a favor. Back off that phone about, I don't know, two, three inches. Okay. Uh, I'm calling in to clear up some confusion on the live talk radio staff. Apparently, Sarah has tried to explain the company that uh, I'm involved with uh, being a multi-level marketing company, but Mm -hmm. our company is different because... Our company doesn't advertise. It's a wholesale marketing company, and we recruit people by word of mouth. Yep, that's pretty standard for network marketing. Uh, In fact, when she called in to talk about it, she wouldn't say what the company was, claiming that she was not allowed to. And what I explained was that it's actually fairly common. So you said it's unusual, but it's actually fairly common in the network marketing industry for network marketing associates or whatever the term, they always use some sort of term like that. Uh, Independent marketing agents cannot uh, do radio advertising or television advertising or internet advertising. They have to go word of of mouth. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, where apparently Sarah confused everybody because our company just goes on word of mouth We tell people about our products. Our company has been in business for 37 years. We have over 4,000 personal care and home care So is this Amway? I mean, can you tell us who it is? Uh, No, I cannot on the radio. Okay, but let me ask, what, what exactly is word of mouth? Now, if we look at the term word of mouth, it just means words coming from somebody's <laughs> yeah. mouth. Now, well, if 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 you're just saying, does word of mouth mean in person, live only? Does it mean that you can tell somebody about it over the phone? Because guess what? You're talking to us over the phone yeah, right now. You're not buying radio advertising. Right. You're not purchasing radio advertising. And we are going to be critical of whatever it is you say. You know, we're not going to pump it up for you or anything like that. So I'm just curious well, as to what it is you're, you're marketing. Okay, we market personal care and home care. But there's products. a billion of these companies that do that. 
I mean, whether well, it's yes, our our company though is mostly natural product ingredients. We're not like other products that have formaldehydes and chemicals in the product. <laughs> All right, so here's what I want to know, Richard. Are you a uh, one of the affiliates of this company? Are you a signed up to sell? These products, whatever they call it, they they, they have some uh, name for it, right? Like uh, independent marketing associate or something. something like that. Well, I I run into people and tell them about our company, how it is structured. Yes, yes, we understand how that works, but you didn't answer my question. So my question for you is. Or, I mean, it sounds like you are, but I'm just wanting to clarify because Sarah, she'll say one thing and then she'll say something else. She doesn't really seem to know or she doesn't want to be honest about it or whatever. I'm not really sure. But uh, it, it didn't sound like Sarah is the person who signed up for this this product or this company. It sounds like it's no. you. You're the person who signed up. Are you a distributor for this network marketing company? Uh, we do not distribute. I run into people... I tell them about our company, and then if they're interested in buying the products, I sign them up, and then they put in their orders after they're signed up. Do you get a percentage of their order? Yes. Okay, Uh, you're a distributor. I don't know why you're dodging the question about that. I I understand you're you're saying that you don't physically deliver the products to the people, but you are working with this company to make a percentage, and presumably if they sign up as a distributor, or whatever the term is, you're not telling us because you're being very coy about what this company is, if they sign up as a distributor underneath you, then you'll get a percentage of any sales that they make and so on down the line, hence the term downline, downline right, yeah. uh, for these companies. So, yeah. so if I were to go and put you on hold, Richard, and yeah. I were to ask you on hold when we're not on the air what this company is, would you tell me? Yes, I would. Great. Stand by. Uh, so I want to put Richard on because I'm just curious, right? There's a bunch of these companies out there, yeah, and I want to know who it is so I can research it. Not because I'm interested in buying their potions and their lotions and their you know soaps or whatever it is that they have. Some of which may be excellent products. In a lot of cases, network marketing, the, there's some really scammy companies like straight up scams, just moving money around, total money wealth redistribution companies. Yep. And then there's the Companies that actually have a product, some of which can be decent, but almost always they're overpriced, like compared to something similar, just that you can buy in the marketplace. You always pay more because they have to build in a huge profit in order to pay all these different levels of uh, distribution and and so on. Uh, You sound like you know a thing or two about this, Captain. Uh, Multi-level marketing has been around for a long time. I know some people... That at some point we're involved with uh, one of the m- more well-known Amway. Oh yeah, it's right? the big one, the, the big one. And so, uh, also when I was unemployed and searching for a job once upon a time, I uh, responded to this, you know, entry-level position. You know, come to our free seminar. You know, on in Wednesday, this hotel room. Wednesday, you know, the yeah, it was a hotel meeting yeah. room. You know, Wednesday at two p.m. or whatever. You know. 
food provided and like i i was poor i didn't have food and okay. i'm like oh sweet snacks sweet. right you know just gotta listen maybe to I'll, spiel maybe i'll get a meal while i'm there or, you know you know maybe i'll get a job who knows mm. so i go and how old were you again oh man uh i don't know the uh, early 20s at best where did you see this promotion this would have probably been in might have been like toledo ohio okay. when i was there but it wasn't another person it was it just might an have been seattle no it was there were many people like you go and yeah i'm here for the thing but i brought a you, resume I, I miss where you said you heard about it though it might have been seattle I, but where like was there. it you saw an advertisement oh yeah it was in like the want ads okay okay you know, like it. maybe a craigslist post or got it the, you know the newspaper old school right yep. help wanted section and it was just like show up bring your resume and i'm like okay i needed a mm. job and i was hungry so i i went they did have snacks by the way <laughs> okay so i was like oh sweet snacks uh and then it was creepy yeah culty right? very very yeah. like everybody was i want to say artificially happy to see me oh captain welcome yeah come on in like oh you're our best friend even though we've only just met you right now and I was like, okay, this is weird. Have you tried the product yet? And I'm like, well, no, they didn't even go there. They were just like, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. You are going to make so much money. Oh. Right? You know, one of these kind of things. Wow. And so uh, at some point, you know, everybody was there, and I said hello to some other people who were there. And uh, I, I, I was kind of creeped out by the people who were representing this company, mm-hmm. whatever it was. But they were going to dim the lights and play some sort of sure. presentation or whatever. Some, the boat, the cars, the trip, the cruise. I, I got maybe 15 minutes into their presentation, and I was like, okay, I see what this is. I'm out of uh, here. You had already and, encountered Amway or something I don't, prior to I that? I don't know. I think it was just my gut telling yeah. me that this isn't how you're going to make money. Yeah. You know, this isn't going to this pay your rent. For you. you know, you got rent due. This isn't going to cut the mustard. Right. So I, I turned, I just got up and left. Were they pitching potions and uh, lotions? They hadn't even gotten to that soaps. part yet. They okay. were talking about, you know, like the, some kind of club you get into after you make X amount of dollars and the you president's know, club, win tri- all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The diamond distributor. Lead with the benefits, I guess, is what they were doing. The number 603-283-6160. Set your own hours. I like zero hours. You're your own boss. There's more coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show. You can bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here in the studio, you've got Ian... And the captain. We were just talking with Richard in New Mexico, and he was being very uh, reserved when it came to promoting the company that he is working with in network marketing. Well, and I feel like he was uh, just afraid that he would violate some rule or yeah, something. Yeah, the terms. Yeah. So. Uh, I did speak with him off the uh, off the air, and I, I, she had said it before. Sarah had said it before. I just mm-hmm. didn't remember what it was. Melaleuca is the name of the company. And I remember when I looked it up, because there's a really great website called Behind MLM, where they do in-depth reviews of a lot of these companies. It's clearly written by somebody who has had a lot of experience in the business. And they've got you know a lot of expertise on how to uh, you know break apart one of the compensation plans and opinions about the products and what they're offering, whether it's just a straight up scam or there's actually a legitimate opportunity. 
And uh, I remember when I looked for it there, it didn't really jump out as one of the obvious scams. So the, so as far as companies go, they've been around for a long time. That's yeah. usually a, a better sign that they're not a total scam from top to bottom. But that doesn't mean that this is necessarily, like you said, Captain, the right opportunity uh, for any given person. It is incredibly difficult to do network marketing. You have to be very good at sales. And you also have to not really care about burning every single bridge that you possibly have in your in your personal yeah. life. And what I don't like about the MLM industry as a whole is that, generally speaking, to get started, you have to market to people your, you know, your friends and family, your yeah. your your circle, whatever that means to you. And boy, do they get tired of that. And yeah, so you, by nature of the beast, must alienate your yeah. inner circle and i i don't like that yeah and then you touched on something captain that is probably the most awful part about network marketing because even if it's a great product and even if they somehow have a decent price which i've never seen when it comes no, to they're network always marketing way more expensive always insanely than, yeah. expensive but even if you got a really great price and product then there's still the cult aspect of it yeah. and so now you're literally being told that you need to bring your friends and family into your cult, this culty, very, very culty group of, of people, and that if you don't, they act like a cult, and they'll say things like, well, then they aren't your friends. <laughs> oh, they don't see this opportunity? They don't want to join you in this and help you? That's what I call your. I call beer pressure. Yeah, they don't want to help you with your build your business. If you don't drink this beer, I won't be your friend, and you can't hang out with us, and we yeah. won't think you're cool anymore. That really does exist, and I'm not going to say they all do it because I've only been involved in one of these companies in the past. Yeah. Uh, but it's not uncommon, from what I understand, and the you know the t- the people we've talked to over the years about this, and because this isn't the first time network marketing has come up on this program. Sure. A lot of people have had it or in cults. Their, yeah, a lot of people have had it in their past. Uh, Bonnie was just in the room telling us that she was involved in one when she was a little bit younger as well. Yeah, uh, they 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 prey on people's desire for that independence and there is that desire right like a lot of people don't want to be in a job for their whole lives that's not something that's very attractive the idea of setting your own hours who doesn't want to do that most people would love to have or i think a lot of people would love to have that kind of freedom yeah in their lives so it is a very attractive pitch especially to somebody that's never heard it before and obviously, younger people are more likely to have never heard this before. When I was pitched with this, I was 19 years old. And uh, the product, in, in my particular case, was was interesting. I joined up. I spent a few thousand dollars and ended up selling that crap off at a garage sale uh, six years later or whatever oh, for, I think for pennies was, on the dollar. I think that was the other thing about the one that, that I was invited to you know, interview at was that there was there was an initial investment required and i was broke i'm like well i you know i don't have any money so i'm out yeah yeah um in this case i was able to afford the uh the initial investment of course they have their sayings like oh you got to be a product of the product you know you gotta you can't sell something if you don't believe in it you can't sell something if you you know don't have any experience i've done sales a bunch of times and the problem is is that when i start I believe in the product mm-hmm. because, you know, they give you a song and dance about how awesome their product sure. is. And you're like, oh, that is pretty cool. And so you start to sell it based on the awesomeness that you've been told. The problem is, is when it comes down to you telling other people how awesome the product is, and then the product actually isn't that awesome. That makes you look bad. 
Yeah. yeah. So uh, the problem is, is that I have higher standards than <laughs> anybody I've ever sold for. And it, it really creeps me out because every employer I have ever worked for, full-time anyway, has tried to turn me into a salesperson, even though I got into technology and doing like tech support and, uh, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, we'll call it telephony programming, that kind of stuff. I got into these things because I didn't want to sell, but every company that I've ever worked for has approached me on some level and been like, you know, you'd be pretty good as an account executive. And I'm like, what is that? And they're like, oh, you'd be on our sales team. Mm, nope. Yeah. Like I'm shutting it down. No, I'm not going to sell for you because I, I have this problem where uh, I have, oh, I don't know, ethics and morals, and yeah. I just can't shove your product down other people's throats for the benefit of the company, especially if I know that you're not going to be able to keep my promises that I make to other people. Yep. Salespeople without ethics and morals do a lot better. They do. <laughs> they do. It's true. Um, so I, I asked a few more questions of Richard just to kind of, cause again, I know that I know the business. And so I, I asked him about, you know, what level of distributor he is. He said, he's just the initial, right? So he's just the first level or whatever they call that. And he's been involved for a year and a half. He's got six people in his downline, he says, but what it wasn't clear was whether it was their distributors or they're just buying. And so I suspect that just means they're customers, but it wasn't wasn't real clear. Yeah, uh, he says that in order to keep your account open, basically to keep your your status, you have to buy things. This is common in the network marketing business. They're not going to pay you if you're not paying them regularly. Right, you've got a minimum order Correct. that you must meet every month or something like That's that. That's right. Whether it's for you or if you're selling it yeah. to somebody, they don't care. As long as you're doing that minimum, then you've, you're a qualified distributor or whatever, and they, you know, in theory, you could get a check from them yeah. or you to uh, sell enough stuff. And so, again, on its face, there's nothing illegal. There's nothing inherently immoral or wrong about network marketing. It just drips of this insincerity in a lot of cases. Uh, some of these distributors, like you were saying, when you went to this meetup or this meeting, it was so fake seeming the people were I just i felt like the people representing this this company were all on some kind of drug that i was not on mm. you know like I, have you ever gone to a party sober where you're like the obviously the only sober guy there probably it felt like that except everybody was i'll say sober sober mm -hmm. enough to converse they were it's not like they were drinking or anything but these representatives just they had this glossy look in their eyes wow. and i was just high on the I, opportunity i yeah i you know, I don't know if they saw, or they're like, oh, we got to recruit new people. I, you know, dollar signs are in yeah, their eyes, right? You know, he's going to be part of my downline or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. It just creeped me out, man. Well, that's, yeah, that's interesting because they had a different approach than some of these companies where, again, there's, in a lot of cases, a rule against advertising. But in your case, you followed an advertisement to get you through the door. Yeah. So everyone in there is interested in, in like you said, recruiting you. So they're all going to be trying to work you. Uh, whereas normally it'd be somebody bringing you, right? And then you'd be that person's recruit. There's more coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. You can share your thoughts. Free Talk Live. You can join us here and bring up whatever you want to discuss. The number is 603-283-6160. We still might talk about the food processing plants getting shut down through... If not, I'll... I'll be around tomorrow to talk about it. Fires and 
I don't know if there are any bombings or whatever. We're, we'll find out more about airplane crashed into one. What happened with those? But we ended up getting sidetracked as we do on Free Talk Live because it is open phones and you can call in about anything you want. And Richard in New Mexico called in about network marketing. And both you and I, Captain, have a little bit of experience uh, in this area. You had the wisdom to not join the network marketing company that you were pitched with. I mean, there are times when being a pragmatic, practical person, you know, kind of, you know, sabotages me. Right, mm-hmm. because that's not always the best way to. Sometimes you got to take a risk, and sometimes you know yep. that kind of thing. But I was being completely pragmatic and practical at the time. I was just looking for a gig, you know, wage slave type thing. Yeah, right. You know, I needed some hourly pay. I needed a paycheck in two weeks or earlier yeah, yeah. if I could get it. And I knew that walking into this place, I wasn't going to get it. Uh, in my case, I spent I don't know a couple years doing it before I I threw in the towel. Do you remember what your product was? I do, uh, and uh, it was magnetic <laughs> products for the most part. Although they had their uh, their potions, magnets. And How do they lotions work? and yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but in that particular case, I did benefit in that I learned about sales. Yes. So I, I mean, I I look on the positive side of the experience. I certainly learned about the network marketing industry, and I don't really want to have anything to do with it. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, I did learn some sales from that because they have these CDs and tapes or whatever. This was back in the 90s. So they would sell you, the, you know, all these different products that you could learn on how to sell better. Mm-hmm. So I definitely took some some lessons home from, some Zig Ziglar. from that. Um, I, I'm familiar with Tony Robbins. Zig Ziglar. Didn't watch any oh, Tony okay. Robbins, yeah. but you know that kind of stuff. And I think that there was some benefit to me from, from learning that. And as somebody who was, I think, introverted as a younger person, that helped me kind of break out of that. Uh, To be fair, I did come up in telephone sales, telemarketing. Oh, yeah. If you were. And then the the, cold calls. Yeah, I did that. Uh, The the best I ever did was just appointment setting for like home improvements, right? Mm -hmm. Siding, windows, roofing, that type of stuff. That was those. I wasn't really selling anything other Just than the appointment. a free estimate, right. uh, you know, kind of a thing. But then I was able to parlay that into because I was good on the phone. I could read and write scripts. I was able to parlay that into some work for a tech company during the the dot com era, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So you know, pre two thousand. And so I went to work for a tech company, and because I understood the product and I caught on to new concepts quickly, and when they like, I was working in this office with no computers, and then one day. They hired an IT guy, and he brought computers to everybody's desk, and then we had computers, yeah. and that's how I learned computers. I had a crash course because it was my job to now right. work on this computer, and so, yeah. Let's go to your phone calls. Now, uh, we got Jack in uh, Washington State. You're on Free Talk Live. Jack. Yeah, uh, Captain Kickbutt, I have a question for you. Yep. When you were in Seattle. I was. Do you remember Peng- Penguin Windows? Do I remember? Penguin Penguin Windows. Win- I do remember Penguin Windows, yes. Yeah, I worked for them from uh, 2002 to 2012 before they went out of business. Was that uh, uh, where? Where was there? Was what Muckle Teal or something like that? No, yeah, good. What job. did they do? Just put win- windows in houses or businesses? Triple pane, triple pane, Krypton. Yeah. They had a really good pitch. Vin- okay. Vinyl frame triple, windows. Yeah, triple pane. They had a reinforcement of. They called it Kevlar. It was a fiberglass, which is you know part of the sale or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, they did really well um, until they failed. I met, 
they did. I met people. I met people along the way that did uh, network marketing, and that's what I want to comment on is mm-hmm. how uh, Captain Kickbutt said uh, how they have this kind of weird glossy eye look on their face, and it's it's that human um, that human nature to try to be a part of a religion, a government, an organization. They just have this kind of like you just walked into a Mormon church thing, the network marketing. Yeah. And I think that when you go like four or five, six, seven times in a row, the human brain might get like manipulated into believing it, but it's bizarre to somebody who just goes to one or two of them. Anyway. Yeah. I, it certainly creeped me out. I, you know, your experience may vary. So they pitched you and you, you didn't join. Well, they're my friends from, my profitable job, which is working for Penguin, mm. it was good. It was so they were job. doing this on the side. Yeah, it was something like you, you know. Mm-hmm. But, but they're also super Christian. You know, those type of uh, couple that would bring you to the Sunday masses or the Sunday uh, events. But also, you found out later on they were all sleeping with everybody. I mean, it was just ironic. True wow. story. Here. So, Jack, I know uh, from your previous calls, you're a gay man. Have you uh, seen this uh, Madison, whatever the hell his name is, this uh, this representative? What now? The guy dressed in lingerie. Yeah, the lingerie yeah. guy. Have you seen the yeah. photos? I was in the closet when I went to school, and I did things like that. But there was more fun. I I don't know enough to comment, honestly. But it looks to me like he was just being silly, and his words have now uh caught up with him that makes sense and you know? you know what if he wants to be silly that's fine i don't care but yeah that the fact that he is uh acting like he's all high and mighty and yeah. conservative christian and then he's dressing in lingerie the part like, of that on, guy the part of that guy that i care about is the fact that he's a politician yeah right and the rest of his life i could give you know no craps about uh, he wants yeah. to tell you how to live but yeah as soon as he yeah. wants to start telling other people how to live that's when i got a problem Jack, yeah, if, else? He's running, if he's running the rally at the Amway convention, it's a local uh, uh, name of motel, uh, I can't think of one, Daily Inn, mm-hmm. and yet he's uh, also out there, you know, doing Clariel and uh, Maybelline on the side. <laughs> it's a little crazy. <laughs> Thanks, Jack, for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Let's talk to the Major Payne. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Call from Michigan. Good evening. Yes, sir. Major. Yeah. Years ago, I about got roped into selling these rainbow vacuums. I bet you that really sucked. They they were they were quite the magic gizmo. They did like twenty four, twenty eight different things. I forget if they had the phobia on them. <laughs> that was a thing then. But this thing actually had a paint gun that worked off the exhaust side of it. What? A yeah, paint it was gun? like a twelve hundred dollar vacuum back in seventy eight, nineteen eighty. And that was a lot of money back then. Right, it was supposed to be like a sprayer, right? Like a spray gun. For yeah, You could yeah, just load yeah. regular paint into huh. it and mix it up, and it would act as if it were a spray gun. I've seen those. A couple of years later, me and my brother-in-law and his nephew started a uh, garage door business with what I call the card dump. You know, we'd print up three-by-five business cards, and you get a rubber stamp with your name on it and put your name in big red letters right in the middle of the card, and you go around and... uh Pound for service calls on places with multiple garage doors. Mm-hmm. We started this whole thing off with like, I don't know, five, six milk crates full of parts. 
and a few odd springs and clamps and such. You know, you find somebody with a cockeyed door, and you go out and fix it, and there's a buck and a quarter in your pocket right there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it ended up being worth, I don't know, half a million dollars a couple years later. And my brother, brother-in-law got uh, in a pissing match with my sister, and they got divorced. And then Mikey, he found a uh, girl and decided he's going to move back to Texas. So I got the old redheaded stepchild treatment once again. But, you know. So you didn't make any money off of it? Oh, yeah. I made a couple years of living. Plus, okay. I, you know, learned right. how to do stuff I didn't know how to do. There you go. But looking on the bright side, that's good. But I want to point something out to our listeners here about what you're saying. It's that you went out with some parts and you made your own advertisement. Mm-hmm. And you went and you drummed up your own business. You created a business out of finding people who had a problem and then solving that problem. Now, that's how easy it should be yes. for somebody to start a business in today's world, but it is not the case. Oh, it's because the government gang wants you to get licenses and permission Insurance slips. And blah, and, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, all this other nonsense. Thanks, Major, for the story tonight. Definitely appreciate hearing from you. Vacuum cleaners really suck. The number is 603-283-6160, and we've heard stories from some of those uh, distributors over the years about how the presentations would go, and they'd oh, go yeah. over people's houses and like throw dirt down on their carpet and... Then use the vacuum to show off and clean it up. They're god awful expensive, but maybe they're really great. I don't know. More coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Live show. Phones are open. You can join us here at 603 283 6160. But if you want to get on tonight, you better get on the lines right now. Here in the studio, it's Ian and the captain. And you can join us online anytime you want over at freetalklive.com. We have archives. They go back for many years. You can download them at your leisure at freetalklive.com and many other features there. So feel free to explore the sites. Once again, freetalklive.com. As we continue here, we're going to go back into your phone calls. But coming up, Captain, you've got a story about some suspicious fires, some suspicious destruction Mm, at some interesting locations. Strange things are afoot. Yeah, and things that make you go, hmm, we'll get into that coming up here uh, in a little bit. But first, we've got David on the line in New Mexico. David, you're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, Segway Railroaded. You had brought that up earlier, coincidentally. Yeah, you know something about and, that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, that exact term spontaneously came out of the mouth of a 30-year veteran paralegal um, who I shared facts of my case with this was back at about year two. If you remember in a previous call, I had told you I uh, interviewed with uh, an attorney to take my case, and I was quoted at year two, $60,000 retainer. Right. And and that uh, this paralegal was the, was the paralegal for this attorney. His name was Frank. I don't remember his last name here in Albuquerque. Um, but anyway, railroaded. You're, well, the exact quote was, David, you're being railroaded. So, so yeah. And uh, so tying into that, I wanted to uh, add one more little uh, thing for people to uh, have in their memory in case they ever get into a courtroom where um, they may be asked to be uh, evaluated by any sort of expert witness, uh, typically in the medical field, but it may be in some other sort of field. And remember, this is in the context of, of the the attorney, Jane Yohalem, in the state of New Mexico that won my unanimous decision at the New Mexico Court of Appeals. She was my attorney, and she won that case unanimously. Ironically, she is now 
on the Court of Appeals. Further, ironically, she is the uh, peer of another uh, judge on the Court of Appeals, M. Monica Zamora. And uh, coincidentally, M. Monica Zamora is the, was the sitting judge who Jane Yohalam defeated in my case with that unanimous win. So you've been, you've been railroaded and drugged through uh, the court system so much so often that people who have been on your case originally have been promoted and or moved up the uh, government ladder, so to speak, into other positions now. Will this Jane yeah. even return your phone calls at this point? Well, I, I'm, she would. She would talk to me. Uh, I'm, I'm certain of it, with the exception that since she's a sitting judge, she may decline to talk to me in case anything that I would put into the courts in the future would come before her, which is probably what she would do uh, in declining a phone call would be based on that. What is the difference between um, a sitting judge and, well, one who doesn't, I guess? I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it's it's rather uh, incestuous, nepotistic. If, if you notice there, the, my attorney that won my appeal reversed the judge in my case, who actually now they both sit on the Court of Appeals, uh, where previously one was my attorney and the other one was the judge in my case that uh, was uh, defeated by my attorney, Jane Yohalam. And my, my final point on this t- today to, to advance the uh, information is that J- Jane, uh, I know I was never debriefed after I won that appeal or Jane won that appeal. And it might be interesting for Jane, Jane might like to know what happened to her win. And when it was remanded back to the lower court to Judge John J. Romero Jr., Jane, what happened is uh, I, I got, I succeeded by motion in getting a reunification therapist to re- reunite me with my children. I detected some BS going on with that therapist and motioned to excuse her and replace her with another practitioner, mm-hmm. which Jane, Judge John J. Romero, just simply ignored my motion hmm. from that point forward, did not comment on it. And so I've never seen my children again, Jane, despite your unanimous win at your own court of appeals, Jane Yohalam. So there. Yeah, I suspect uh, she's not going to be a, of any assistance to you at this uh, this point. She's got her allegiance uh, with the system, even though you were her client. And well, guess what? Guess what? We'll, I will then ask her husband, Daniel Yohalam, who's a civil rights attorney, and see if Daniel would like to to, fur- to make this further nepotistic and incestuous. See if her husband, if Jane's husband, Daniel, would like to take my case. Uh, involving uh, the, my my previous experience with her. With well, his, I'm uh, sure wife. you'll let us know how it goes. I do have a portmanteau that I just made up for David. Hmm. Neposestuous. That's a good one. Thanks, David, for the call tonight. The number here is 603-283-6160. So, Captain, uh, what has been happening with food processing facilities around I, the country? I've been seeing this go around on, on the interwebs, and I stumbled upon... The article in the Free Thought Project that says multiple large food processing and distribution plants in the U.S. have recently exploded or burned down. This was published on April 21st. Uh, As food uncertainty lingers on the horizon thanks to U.S. sanctions and government decimation of the economy during the past couple of years, there is the beginning of the year or since or there's I'm sorry, there's another factor contributing to the problem since the beginning of the year. There have been several very large food processing facilities that have exploded 
or burned to the ground across the U.S. This week, a vegetable and nut processing facility in Defer, Oregon, became engulfed in flames for unknown reasons. Hmm. Uh, this article goes on, but I was just scanning through you know, the rest of the internet to see what they say, and I got a hold of a list of 23 different places. Uh, Azure Standard Headquarters, Taylor Farms, Gem State Processing, East Conway Beef and Pork, Rio Fresh, Walmart, Hot Pockets, you know, these are just some of the, the names here, Dice or Tyson, uh, Kellogg, JBS. There's 23 locations since, it uh, looks like hmm, one of them's as far back as August 9th of 2019, but uh, this seems to start in 2021, January, all the way through uh, April 18th of 2022. 23 locations. Uh, all 23 locations started on fire. In some way, shape, or form, with the exception of three. Uh, one in Idaho was an airplane crash, so apparently an airplane crashed into their facility. Okay. One was in Oregon, uh, a boiler explosion, so their boiler exploded somehow. And then one in Louisiana uh, just says explosion. So now all we don't the know if these, these things were completely totaled or if there was maybe just some damage and they were able to recover relatively quickly. It doesn't say the extent of the on, damage. On right? the list that I was able to pull up of these 23 mm-hmm. uh, places, it, it does not say uh, w- you know, what the extent of the damage was. It just lists yeah. these 23 uh, as suspicious. Uh, so the uh, independent, uh, this article at Free Thought Project continues... Uh, it says, one week before that fire in Oregon, a massive fire brought down a meat processing plant in Conway, New Hampshire. Brought it down. Brought okay. it down. After burning for 16 hours, multiple fire crews finally put out the fire at the East Conway Beef and Pork, but the facility is completely destroyed. The same week in Salinas, California, wow. a massive fire at the Taylor Farms processing facility led to the evacuation of residents as it burned for over 17 hours. Taylor Farms is a major agriculture company that processes and delivers many of the salad kits seen in grocery stores. The cause of the fire currently under investigation. Well, the, really, the question is, is this happening more often than normally? I mean, I don't know how right. many thousands of food processing facilities there are in the United States. I suspect there's, you know, a lot of them. Maybe it's in the several hundreds or maybe it's in the several thousands. I don't know. I've never looked into it. Is it 23 but- in a year and a half? Is that typical? Is that typical? Does that seem odd to you? Yeah, that would be really the ultimate question, is to compare this to other time periods and see if this is an unusual number, or is it right along with what you'd expect to see happening? I don't know if it mentions in this article, or if it was somewhere else that I read in prep for this, but uh, I read that it is not unusual for food processing facilities to to have fires, that it's relatively common, Mm -hmm. however... The caveat to that statement is that when most of them were investigated, the number one cause of these fires, arson. Really? Yes. Hmm. So now I am i have no facts. I have nothing to say other than I find it weird that this is the first time in my 50 years on planet Earth I've heard of multiple food facilities either exploding or burning. Just another reason yeah. to, to be prepared. Have yourself a little something set aside. Figure out how to 
live without the system? Not a bad suggestion, Captain, regardless of what the cause is of this particular situation. Out of time for tonight. Join the Captain for more on the live Sunday edition happening tomorrow, 7 to 10 Eastern. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Have a great weekend.